nicely done. All right, everyone, welcome in to a Hilliard Beacon audio special. My name is Jordan Smith, and I am joined, as usual, by my good friends Tim Hoffman hey. and Kevin Corvo. Good afternoon. And today we're welcoming in a local activist, uh, conservationist, uh, nature uh, knower, I would say, uh, and a former resident, right? Brian? Brian Guerra, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm a current resident. Okay, yes. okay. I know. Are you splitting time now? Are you are you fully retired from one career and into the into the next phase? Pretty much. Yeah, I'm uh, working full time for the Nature Conservancy, but gotcha. I'm former state of Ohio employee for many years. So right. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself, Brian. Tell us about your history with Hilliard. Uh, tell us about how you came to uh, an interest in Hilliard's nature specifically. Sure. Uh, we moved here in 1999, which was right at the heart of the Darby Refuge controversy that was going on at the time. Um, so that sort of got my interest in learning more about the Darby. Um, so I followed that pretty closely. Um, I have been I was employed at Ohio EPA at the time. Uh, I became the wetland ecologist there uh, in 2008 which was shortly after the Darby Accord was implemented. So I was very familiar. I wasn't actively involved in that process, but I was very familiar with uh, the scientists that were. So uh, had a, had a gr- really strong interest in, uh, in following along and, and seeing what was happening with the Darby. A lot of interesting things sort of came out of the, the sort of the Elimination of the the concept of the Darby Refuge. There was a lot of money funneled to local metro parks, hmm. and so uh, my understanding is Battelle Darby has expanded tremendously through that process, as well as Prairie Oaks. So we've benefited a lot uh, from some of the some of the interest in the Darby, and having the state legislature. Um, sort of support sending money to the metro parks. Go ahead, initiative. Support and build out what is conserved, so that it is even more enshrined in conservancy. Right, I see. We had. Uh, go ahead, Tim. You got something, Brian? For those th- that aren't familiar, can you do a real quick rundown on what the Darby Accord is? Sure. It was uh, Darby Refuge and Darby Accord are two different. That's correct. Yeah, the Darby Refuge was a proposed U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service preserve that was going to be in the Darby watershed. It became controversial because there was a concern over government taking. Uh, a lot of landowners in Madison County didn't want it there. Mm. So it just became a sort of a political hot potato. But it sort of shone light on the Darby. Um, at the time, Ohio EPA was developing uh, a focused stormwater permit because of the, the concern over the sensitivity of the Darby. Everybody realized uh, the fact that the Darby has, I believe, 38 state or endangered aquatic species. Mm which really puts it sort of at the upper tier of, of waters in the country. Well, like mussels and... Mussels like, and fish and right. macroinvertebrates, basically. Okay. Um, so uh, so the, the Darby Accord, there was actually a moratorium on construction in the Darby watershed, at least the Franklin County portion of the Darby watershed. And so there was a sort of a consortium of government entities that was formed to sort of study this issue, meet with uh, local stakeholders and just a variety of environmental groups, landowners, 
and try to come up with a, a plan, sort of a document that could represent a blueprint of how to develop the Darby watershed in Franklin County in a sustainable way. It also put a lot of focus on preservation of additional green space and the idea being, you know, we'll allow some sensitively done development. We also will then have a significant amount of green space sort of filling in the gaps. And over time, you'll end up with sort of a mosaic of these low-intensity developments with protected green space. Trying to horse trade your way to the best, least impacted uh, outcome for land that you know is going to be under demand, under... Uh, assault essentially for uh, developable, arable, whatever it turns out to be, um, uh, property. So as people seek to enclose and fence uh, and transform, they're going to do it in any way that's zoned available. So how did you feel that that process went in that local hashing out? Do you feel the right people got hurt? Do you feel the right balance was struck? Well, again, I wasn't really actively involved in that, but I've read the document, and uh, I was recently (coughs) appointed to be the Hilliard representative on the Darby Accord Advisory Panel. Um, So I've I've familiarized myself with the the document. I feel like it's a pretty good recipe um, for the time. It was based on the, the, the best available science in 2004 or so. So a model was done to sort of determine how much how much land could be developed, how much needed to be protected, where what spots should be targeted for protection, all those things. But it was based on technology of 20 years ago, which has advanced a lot. Mm-hmm. And so it really needs to be redone. It was good for the time. And in the document it says, this is a living, breathing document, and we'll be tweaking it and modifying it periodically. It has not been changed since 2006. So... I think at the time it was good. Some of the elements maybe weren't uh, followed as closely as I think the, the people who participated would have liked to see. There's, there's, they specify in the document uh, developments like uh, Alton Place, uh, several of the ones that have just recently gotten approved, Hill Farms, um, I think Heritage Preserve maybe was mentioned. So a lot of these were sort of envisioned and put in there, and it's like, yeah, we realize this is going to be developed, but um, it still had to go through the process of having the the design plans be reviewed by the core advisory panel, and then they could provide input on ways it could be modified to make it less uh, damaging to the environment. So I think that process is 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 solid and it's still in place, and that's that's basically what the uh, accord advisory panel does now. As new uh, developments are proposed, they review them, and there's a, a public meeting, a public hearing, where they usually say, "We'll approve, we'll approve this conditionally, mm-hmm. and here's what you got to do: this, 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 and this." And as long as those things are followed, then the expectation is it will be uh, more sensitive than your traditional development if you didn't have that step in the process. Okay. Now, this is kind of that last era of development, the Western driving open ground green grass uh, field development. The new community plan is more driven and emphasizes 
um, infill development, mm-hmm. utilizing existing infill parcels and repurposing zoning and changes and those type of things. So do you feel that uh, maybe that's an acknowledgement of understanding that this is a change that has to happen in support of kind of preserving the Big Derby and, and moving in that direction? I think definitely the, the, the comprehensive plan was uh, the, what's currently proposed. I don't know if has it been draft still. It's still draft stage, but uh, it clearly has a focus on protecting the Derby. They talk about a green belt mm-hmm. as sort of the outer edge of Hilliard development. There's still significant land beyond that that could be developed. But Hilliard seems to be sort of drawing a line in the sand and saying, you know, we'll have this green belt protected and, and we will not go further than that. They so, are also kind of limited by the water situation, the taps and stuff from City of Columbus, water and sewer and things like that. Yeah, Kevin? I mean, that's, that's a <coughs> physical reality for development. That's right. So that's a tough thing to say. Maybe drawing that line is in, in acknowledgement mm-hmm. of that as well. It could be. I think it's both. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean the accord clearly specified sort of the amount of development that was expected or, and approved for Hilliard, and and Hilliard has basically reached that limit. So um, now that's not to say again the accord could be modified. C- City of Columbus could allow for additional development, and if that's the case, then whatever happens, it definitely needs to be done in accordance to the what's laid out in the accord in terms of low density adequate green space, you know, stormwater controls that won't allow direct piping of field tile and certain yeah, things, like things like that. Yeah, things like that. Okay. So, uh, but it seems like to me in the community plan, it is a decided sort of backing off of pressures to do a lot of development in that area. It's just like we're easy, we're we're applying the brakes and we are stopping short of well, treat it as a real limiting principle in yeah. physical like planning. That's the that's the interesting development to me is that it's really acknowledged, incorporated in the physical descriptions of where they're looking and what yes. they're what they're looking to do. Well, I've, I've I've told people you know that I know in city government that I feel like the whole uh, Darby, you know. Uh, all, all issues related to the Darby and the fact that Hilliard's situated where it is has actually been very beneficial to how our community has grown, hmm. preventing that western expansion. If you look at places like Powell and uh, you know the Olentangy district in general on the east side, it's just sprawling, sprawling further and further out. We have Patascola, we, we Stainsville. Yeah, <laughs> you can go on and on. We still have sort of a rural feel. I mean, we're right here as part of the, you know, Columbus metropolis, but we can hop on our bike, get on the bike trail, and be in farm country. And there's there's something alluring to that, I think, for families, and I, I enjoy Absolutely. that aspect of it's it as secure, well. And as you mentioned previously, securing the support of the parks at all the different levels, you know, whether it's city or uh, state or county level park apportionment, and being able to draw on so many different uh, levels of park support has been critical to kind of saying Hilliard's maintained a little bit of that rural feel and connection uh, without um, the unmitigated growth. So, yeah, I sort of feel like that plan is maybe an acknowledgement of, of that benefit and and looking more at consolidating in inside and, and retaining that 
sort of culture that we've developed here. So, so what's the what's the purview of that appointment you just got brought on board to work with? What are you doing there specifically, and where where are your points of leverage that you can influence how this develops and goes? You mean on the Accord Advisory yeah, Panel? Yeah. Yeah. As I said, as as uh, as projects are proposed within the Accord area. Um, it will go before the the panel, and we'll have a chance to review it and comment. That's on where it. you're sitting in. That's, you're in that, that panel. I'm group. on the panel okay. that would do that review, and I do have a lot of experience at Ohio EPA looking at design plans and things like that. So, um, but I, I do also feel like there's some areas I'm not sure how much ability I'll, I would have, but I would like to see a, a greater emphasis on green space acquisition. As I mentioned, that's that's one of the areas where I think the accord is sort of fallen down and you know I'm not sure there's there's plenty of blame to go around I wouldn't want to just blame the municipalities I mean I think that as a group when you had the inertia in 2006 that was the time to sort of jump on it and sort of form maybe a committee to to consider this and and start pushing for uh, additional green space. There's a lot of money in Ohio for that type of acquisition Land and banking, restoration. Essentially, where you're bringing more and more area under conservancy because when people look at it from a perspective of legacy, you know, they're holding that land for a generation, <clears throat> two, three. But if there is a future for it and they would like to have some say over it, and there need to be more people offering that as a possibility or offering, say, solar fields as a possibility mm -hmm. or other things that would let people have that peace of mind knowing that a lot of nature could be preserved there, uh, but at the same time supporting organized thinking behind that conservancy, not leaving it up to individual choice making or exploitation or anything of that nature, but bringing it under a... a a centralized um, thought process would let you uh, grow it in a sustained way, in right. a sustained and ongoing way, more than the um, stop-start or occasional donation or occasional acquisition. And there have been some some really good, real positive things. Um, <clears throat> Clovergroff, which is a tributary of Hell Branch, which is a major tributary of Big Darby Creek, um, there's been a lot of restoration projects along Clover Grove, starting all the way almost to the headwaters and running through Latham Park, Municipal Park. Uh, the new German property is going to have a, a segment, and then on down Frank's Park in the city of Columbus and Spindler. It's all a lot of public money went into uh, doing that restoration project to try to improve conditions downstream. Right, so you're reclaiming from waste, refuge, garbage. You're also changing physical uh, layout if there's been damming or anything like that. You're considering all that to mostly. try to... Right. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, you're trying to restore conditions that would make it more likely that it would support habitat-appropriate river life and tributary right. life. And water. slow the water down. There's still storm water, you know, and just... Uh, make it more connected to the floodplain, all those things that are The role involved. that the natural the landscape should play. Exactly. Very so I think that's a really good model for an urban stream setting. And there's also, uh, you know, some other proposals for, for green space acquisition and protection. So um, I think we're definitely moving in the right direction in Hilliard. Um, but it needs to be accelerated because I feel like there's there's also a clearly a, an acceleration in terms of the development pressure with Intel 
you know, Honda expanding, sure. battery plants, There's Google. I mean, you could just keep going on and on and on. And it's exciting what's happening in central Ohio, but at the same time, we need to keep our focus on making sure that development doesn't harm the Darby. Hmm. Um, Let me frame the next stage of it as uh, you mentioned the reclamation that is being done and has been done. Uh, Ohio has come a long way back from the last time we were doubled down on as an industrial core, as a manufacturing core, uh, famously rivers on fire, Mm -hmm. uh, prompted a lot of second thoughts about how we were doing business in Ohio. 1972, uh, famous lefty commie pinko Richard Nixon uh, (laughs) establishes the EPA, the Clean Water Act, in a lot of ways... um, creating a natural new deal for um, the country's uh, conservancy efforts, right? And just recently, the Supreme Court uh, narrowed uh, the protections of the Clean Water Act, and I didn't know if you've been keeping up with that or not. But a little bit, yeah. You mentioned how Big Darby is a wetland. It's got a lot of different tributaries. There's a lot of different endangered species involved, what is the increased risk level of exposure of this resource of ours? Because of the Supreme Court decision yes. specifically? Well, this one was focused mostly on wetlands. Um, and so nationally, it could have really uh, devastating effects on a lot of wetlands, um, specifically because the way the language is in this in the decision, it pretty much means the only wetlands that are regulated under the Clean Water Act have to be physically connected <laughs> to the Visible river. groundwater connected. Not yeah. groundwater, surface water. Surface water, okay, yeah. surface water. So Excuse it me. has to be, you know, the water is... Uh, I've, I've read one interpretation from a, an environmental lawyer that it's basically if, if the wetland is within the ordinary high water mark of the stream, um, that it's protected and Pretty much anything on the bank and outside of that would not be protected. So that's that's even much more liberal interpretation, or however you want to say it, uh, in terms of uh, truncating the the, the regulatory uh, reach of the Clean Water Act than the Trump administration. The Trump yeah. administration actually acknowledged that a wetland that was on the floodplain that maybe was separated by a road would still be considered adjacent. But they, they defined adjacency as being directly connected. Of course they let Alito write the damn opinion because <laughs> he was going to use the most provocative, <clears throat> narrow language possible for that right. type of thing. So that's what's happened. Now having said that, yes, in Ohio we have an isolated wetland law. We're one of probably a third or maybe half of the states that actually have additional protection that go over and above the Clean Water Act. So technically the the definition of waters of the United States is now vastly different than Ohio's waters of the state. Mm. Um, So the feds don't regulate anything unless basically you can float a boat on it. Um, But in Ohio, any wetland is considered a water of the state and so you need a permit to impact it and so what this this will essentially do i mean i'd have to talk to my former colleagues at ohio epa but it's going to expand the the need for those isolated wetland permits in lieu of getting 
an Army Corps of Engineers permit. So that's going to trigger state-level action on the part of people trying to roll this back at our state level, I assume. It's possible. That's what I'm worried about, actually. So, so. Our perfectly balanced, non-gerrymandered, I'm saying this with full sarcasm, state legislature is definitely not going to pursue that as quickly as possible. Uh, it is, I think, speaks directly to that development pressure that you mentioned earlier. It's exciting on the one hand because Ohio... Uh, needs a very specific recipe of putting a lot of people to work to undo the damage that was done by NAFTA and deindustrialization of the steel industry and all these things that have happened over the decades and decades and decades and decades of living in Ohio. Uh, And it's exciting to get some of that. But at the same time, uh, it feels like very much an attack on uh, some of the other gains we've made in those intervening decades where we've taken seriously our obligation to be good stewards of the land. So, Well, and Ohio EPA has some really good... We have one of the best uh, stream sampling programs in the country. The Their ability to sample uh, streams, rivers and streams for uh, aquatic life, like they have a specific assessment for fish and they have one for bugs. Using that information... And decade, over decades of regular surveys, they can actually chart that improvement mm. from the Clean Water Act, where suddenly you couldn't just dump raw sewage into the right. waterways. There was a significant improvement yeah. in uh, in a lot of rivers and streams. The Scioto is a, a good example. It has improved dramatically since that regulation came about in the 70s. So, yeah, it, there's a danger of, of possibly stepping back from some of those protections. Now in the Darby uh, you know there's, there, are, there is the additional protection in the Darby Accord area but that's maybe a third of the watershed, the Franklin County portion if that. So the remainder of the watershed the Accord does not cover. Mm. So really I think what I and, and others uh, would advocate for would be a, a renewed planning effort Revisiting the Accord area and maybe the entire watershed, because the, the you know Logan County, Madison County, Union County, they're all experiencing this pressure as well. And there's nothing, there's not even an Accord to fall back on in mm-hmm. there. So if we could if we could expand that effort to possibly uh, revisit some of that modeling that was done on the watershed and maybe see what the sensitivities are and what areas should be protected, how much development can occur, how can it occur in a manner that's sensitive. All those things could be woven into yeah, a modernize large, modernize it basically. Hmm. Um, that would be a, a really good step um, rather than just sort of allow things to happen on their own, which well, is what's, you know, nobody wants, I don't think. so. Relying on a durable piece of paper uh, is fine, but a static document can't stand up forever. Right. You know, there's too many angles, too many people that need to develop, too many people that need to find a way to circumvent or do things differently. So, you know, in in support of these things, you got to be working on it too. You got to be working with it, through it, hashing it out over and over again because it's just these same discussions over and over again about how to synthesize and make do for everyone because it isn't a zero-sum game. Right. It is not a zero-sum game. Right. Um, but it 
is a game that should have full consideration from scientific community, the best available information, the most modern available information, and people's best efforts to come together and find a real solution, not just get what they want out of it, which a lot of times feels like what a lot of this stuff is, um, where uh, people radically curtail uh, the lands that we protect under our government authority for no real reason other than to open up development or to create wedges along which other uh, political um, property disputes can be uh, brought into the fray. So, um, guys, do you have any questions for Brian about uh, some of the other nature areas in Hilliard, some of the other natural things uh, of pride and benefit that we have here in the city? I was interested to hear what your take on... um you talked about how we haven't had a lot of success in uh, green space acquisition. Uh, and under the, the existing 20-year-old Darby Accord, um, do you have any ideas on if that accord were to be refreshed 20 years later, how do you adjust the incentives uh, around that kind of green space acquisition? It seems like in the new community plan... Hilliard is taking some steps in that direction, sort of autonomously. Um, what do you think uh, needs to happen to uh, sort of revisit some of these parts of the accord that aren't functioning the way that we hoped would? Or how can you get it sort to deliver? Of, get it to deliver the green space acquisition piece. Get it to. How do you want to modify it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think a lot of it was. It, it, it doesn't have a lot of teeth, and so it was sort of dependent on the local uh, governmental entities wanting to pursue things like Clean Ohio grants, and now we have H2 Ohio, a big pot of money for wetland restoration. Um, Ohio EPA has a program called WRSP, which is a, a large pot of money. Um, if there's no interest in applying for and following through on those government grants, then it just doesn't happen. Um, I think the accord had built into the the document that there would be there was sort of an expectation that when Hilliard or any other community involved would approve a development, the developers would actually have to pay a fee that would go into this pot, and then that could be used as match for things like Clean Ohio because Clean Ohio is a twenty five percent match, so it's great getting a million dollar grant, but if you have to match. 250000 where does it come from? Well, if the developers were paying into this mm-hmm. every time... thought as it could underwrite a lot of those matching... Exactly. Some of these, don't they don't even have match, but th- there's always ongoing maintenance and, and other um, things required. It's not as simple as just buying the land and not doing anything with it. You really have to restore it and then maintain it. Um, so, yeah, sort of re- requiring developers that, that, uh, that follow the accord procedures to to create this fund and I don't know if that fund was ever fully fleshed out or how that was was done in Hilliard. My understanding before the current administration, which is really my familiarity, there was a reluctance to go for government grants under the old system of government. That's mm-hmm. that's just hearsay on my, you know, part, but it certainly seemed to be the case that we didn't go for a lot. Hilliard isn't the only culprit though when it comes to uh, green space acquisition. There's 
you know, all the surrounding areas could have been doing the same thing. Sure, sure. And, and so there's, uh, there's just not a push. One thing, you know, in, in my, my job at Nature Conservancy, I deal with a lot of land conservancies. And uh, it would be really beneficial if there was a central Ohio or even a Darby-focused land conservancy that was sort of only focused on getting these grants, working with local communities. It sort of needs a catalyst for it to happen. Right. You know, the, the city of Hilliard's got 10,000 things going on, and I'm, I think they're, they're definitely willing and interested in green space, but they also have to make sure the roads are safe and the school, you know, just the whole host of things. And so having an organization that was sort of focused on that aspect I think would be beneficial. Well, I think that's a perfect example of an excellent redeployment of uh, commissions, city commissions. You know, there's a lot of commissions that sit now in the city and they do a lot of different things for the city, but <clears throat> there's not one that's essentially uh, grant writing, you know, government participation, an office that just seeks uh, these opportunities based on um, groups like yours bringing to their attention that, hey, we can do this, we can do this, we can do this, but we need institutional partners and uh, having someone in a city office on a city commission, a whole thing structured to just aid in the acquisition, land banking, green space, uh, for housing banks. There could be multiple deployments of the same commission under different mm-hmm. subheadings. But uh, you know, to bring these things together, I think, would provide a lot of that focus and allow people a participatory chance to put it in front of eyes that could take it to the next stage as opposed to waiting for spur reaction spur reaction it's a tired cycle i see it all the time in city council sessions where people show up in tears at the final reading of something when in reality there should have been participation and involvement and engagement all along as part of the process you know, so right. whatever we can do uh, to drive attention to those kind of solutions as opposed to reaction, uh, I think uh, shadows your kind of focus as a conservator, uh, a person who sees the realities of the present and the future potentials and takes a pragmatic course to try to navigate both those things uh, and past sins, <laughs> right. especially here. Uh, in Ohio, they've been, um, you know, too too much intruding into the present. What we want to do is make sure we don't uh, take serious missteps and cause our uh, future to be compromised. Yes, I, I mean, I, I do think it would be beneficial for Hilliard to have a little bit more environmental understanding just for dealing with things like invasive species in their parks and, mm-hmm. and other issues that are uh, sort of one other thing for the parks department to do or, or whatever, uh, having somebody sort of laser focused on that in addition to maybe working with the organization to, to write grants and, and, and do those things. I was thinking more along the lines that there are several land, there's, uh, uh, we just went to the, uh, what's it called, Council of Ohio Land Trusts, I think, meeting a couple of weeks ago. There's something like 38 tr- land trusts in Ohio. Um, there's one that sort of covers well, Central Ohio would also cover Southeast Ohio, but but really uh, there's several that are sort of county focused or watershed focused, mm-hmm. and to me the Darby is is sort of right for the picking. perfect candidate. Perfect candidate. Hmm. Um, what so, goes into creating that kind of an organization? Well, that's 
not something I'm not really sure of. Mm. But if 38 have done it in Ohio, <laughs> it well, must be possible. I mean, you know, we're so. going to talk a little bit in a few minutes about uh, what can be done via ordinance, what can be done via charter modification, what can be done uh, a lot of ways through city government. So uh, the the thing it always comes back to, and you mentioned it, is where there is a will, there is a way. Um humans manipulate Rubik's Cubes in every aspect of our lives until mm-hmm. we reorder the situation to find some way through. Sure. Uh, I don't see any reason that uh, a leading-edge city like Hilliard, with within the boundaries 35,000 people, but within the school district boundaries, almost 100,000 people, shouldn't be thinking along these lines and developing these structures and internal systems to provide uh, good guidance for the future. Well, these kinds of things all start with... Brian Guerra. With a conversation. (laughs) (laughs) It all starts with a conversation and uh, bringing people just to an awareness of, hey, this is something that could be really helpful. And starting to think along the lines of, well, how do these things uh, come into existence? Somebody knows. Right. And I've I've been having these conversations with people in the city, and I'm, I'm very optimistic that it is moving in the right direction. As you said, we're, we're definitely, there is a legacy of issues that, that are still being dealt with. Um, but for the most part, I think Hilliard has really sort of done a you know 90 degree turn from sort of where they were five or six years ago. Mm-hmm. So maybe that was sort of forced upon them because of the change in government style. But, uh, but I do feel uh, that there's, there's clearly an emphasis on Protecting the Darby. I mean, that was brought up uh, when Michelle Crandall was discussing the new rec center. I don't know if you went to the opening mm. of that, but you know the the, the name, the well. Um, you know, part of the reasoning is the importance of clean water and the fact that it's in the Darby watershed. And you know, it's lip service. I understand, but it's also pretty nice to hear a city leader saying that. Sure. And it's also nice to know that it's being said over and over yes. and over again. I preach to people all the time. Any kind of success I've ever had in the donut world is repetition and recurrence. You want to provide every opportunity for people to come back and have the same thing over and over again. So if you give people the signposts of the well, water, you bring that into focus, more and more often you see it represented in official city documents where you see a real green belt that actually takes into account the shape of the thing that's gone for decades before it. So... Like you said, steps in the right direction. Uh, the Supreme Court took a step, in my opinion, in the wrong direction, undercutting these uh, protections we've had for so long and that have helped us reverse a very negative uh, trend here in Ohio. But uh, the time for fighting those battles is now, as always, and uh, as ever. So thank you, Brian, for coming out today. I appreciate you taking the time to fill in our, our readership and listenership. We're sure. up over... Uh, 550 subscribers fantastic and growing all the time so you know we're trying to support Kevin and his mission to rejuvenate local journalism here and uh, thank you for your support appreciate you coming out thank you for having me thanks again